It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. How do you create a Premier League miracle like Sheffield United? Well, we've got club legend Nick Montgomery with us on this episode of The Gangapod to take us inside the success at Bramall Lane. David Wiener with you to take you through that chat alongside Michael Bridges once again. A lot of fun, a lot of banter, a lot of great football discussion coming up. So let's get right into it. Bridgie, welcome back. Good to see you on a roll with the Gag and Pod. Welcome back. Loving it, Dave. Thank you very much. Plenty of football to talk about yet again, so I'm happy and I'm even more happy because one of my old mates is here. Or my current mate. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying that. We're good to go then. Nick Montgomery, welcome back. Great to see you again. Great to be here with the both of you. Looking forward to what we're going to do in the next 45 minutes or so. Yeah, great to see you, David. Normally see the back of Bridgie running away from me, but yeah, it's nice, to, <laughs> it's nice to see him face to face this morning. Now, Bridgie's chirping and absolutely loving life because your fitness regime is going brilliantly. Nick's loving life because Sheffield United are going amazingly. We'll give you, we'll give you 30 seconds to talk about why you're chirping, Bridgie. I'm chirping because I've actually lost a little bit of weight, Dave. I set a target of seven kilos. I've, I'm down four, mate. And the reason I'm doing it is going to represent Leeds United against Bayern Munich at the end of March. And thankfully, at this moment in time, the diet's going well, the fitness regime is going well, and I'm popping as many cod liver oil tablets <laughs> because the joints are killing. Tell you what, we're worried about where you were playing in the Football for Fires game. Keep going, you'll be on the wing doing... Shuttles up and down the touchline. No, I won't. Because have you seen the lineup? <laughs> yes. For that game, it is incredible. I'll be happy with the place in the bench. Even now, you're not going in goals because Thomas Sorensen and Schwartz are in there too. So we're in a bit of, <laughs> a bit of strife. <laughs> Nick, Sheffield United, it's, uh, we're absolutely delighted to have you in because there's no one better in the country to talk about this at the moment. And there is no bigger topic or more enjoyable topic to talk about in the Premier League than this truly great fairy tale. We had you on a couple of months ago and uh, uh, we touched on it briefly then. The thing is... Your old club, where you played a bazillion games over a decade, have sustained it. Are, are you surprised, delighted, you know, feel, felt like this was coming? Where are you with, with Sheffield United's incredible form? Well, look, I'm just enjoying the journey. I think everybody's been waiting for the wheels to fall off. But one thing that I know from being at the club, knowing Chrissy Wilder, knowing Billy Sharp, Phil Jagielka, you know, some, some boys that I played with that are still there, you know, the fact that, uh, like you said, they're, they're carrying on with this incredible journey this season for me. Um, I'm not surprised at all. And, you know, seeing Billy Sharp, a, a good friend of mine, um, absolute inspirational captain, uh, leader, um, getting his first uh, Premier League goal at Bramall Lane on the weekend was, was fitting. Um, and that's, Has, that's has he scored in every division now in football? Yeah, football has, that, that was actually his first goal at Bramall Lane in the Premier League. Um, but, I mean, the number of goals he's scored for that club over the years is, is phenomenal. Um, you know, in terms of strikers, English strikers, he's right up there with with the one you know, some of the best box finishes I've ever seen um, and fantastic that he managed to get his, his goal at Bramall Lane in front of the faithful fans there and a fantastic win against Bournemouth Can I just ask Nick a question please Dave? I'm just going to put my feet up right? go for it absolutely Where were you born in England? 
I was born in Leeds, Bridgie. Yeah. Um, Hang on, okay. It's not an investigation. <laughs> That's all I wanted to clarify, because, you know, he's a Leeds boy, but we're talking about Sheffield United. No problems there whatsoever. Carry on. Ride the wave. Ride the wave. <laughs> hey, Bridgie, fifth. Fifth, knocking on Chelsea's door yeah. with players that did the job for Chris Wilder in League One. When you, when you look at what they've done, what do you think stands out as a characteristic that has them pushing Chelsea above United, above Spurs, above Arsenal? There's, there's a few things that I think. One is the characteristics of the players with the work ethic that Wilder has put into them. Is The players kind of know that they are not on the same level ability-wise as an individual. As a collective team and a squad, this guy has got them ticking like you would not believe. But you can't just go and win a game with a work rate. What they have, he's got a game plan and the players understand what they've got to do in their moments. Like I say, the overlapping centre-halves, and then the defensive midfielder fills in for that player going in. They've just got something unique going on at this moment in time. Bramall Lane, tough place to go to as well. The old the old school feel, isn't it? Like it's, it's intimidating. And they're on a run of form where they're actually believing that they can go and do it. Now, I left Sunderland in 99-2000 to join Leeds United. Peter Reid was... We didn't just come up from the division and have success. We went up with Sunderland, we got relegated, we went up. It took a while to get that stability to believe. And, you know, Sunderland got into Europe um, at one point, which is incredible to think what they did. Wilder's doing this. And I think the way they are going, I can see them, actually, it's going to sound, you're going to think I'm mad. I can see them getting the Champions League spot. Well, let, let's look at the next four weeks, right, Nick? <laughs> can you imagine? Nick, Nick's face has hit, hit, hit the floor. But let's, let's talk about that because it's Brighton at Bremel Lane, then Aston Villa away, Norwich City, Newcastle. That's the next four games before playing Manchester United. The fans were seeing Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. We're going to Napoli on the weekend. <laughs> Realistically, Nick, is it time to dream or is that still ridiculous? Oh, look, you look at the, the fixtures coming up, as you just said then, David, you know, sometimes the games that you think you're going to win are, are the hardest games and no doubt they'll, they'll approach them games knowing that they're going to be difficult. There's teams down there fighting for their life, so it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough, um, tough run of games, but it's, for me, it's, it's, it's a run of games that they can really, um, you know, get some points from if they carry on this, this run of form. And like Bridget said then, the, the team culture there, the work rate, um, Chrissy Wilder's management style, it's, it's been, it's been phenomenal, but I think now, you know, everybody is, is fearing them coming to their stadium as well as coming to Bramall Lane, and, and that's what you get with, with good teams. And, you know, for me, with they deserve to be in fifth where they are. And Leicester in third, they've got a nice run of games coming up as well. They've only got really City in there that I can see them having trouble with. Chelsea have got to play United and Spurs. And then I look at Everton, who are on a good run of form, Dave. they got Arsenal, Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool in their next four matches. So everything says that Sheffield United are going to, if they can keep that mentality, which I can't see them mm. not. This is a run of games where they're going, you know what it is? There's actually five games, uh, sorry, four out of the five games there we can win. What's the word in the street? What's the word out of the camp that you've heard? What's How are they enjoying the ride and, and how are they responding to all of a sudden exposure, which just does bring inevitably a bit more expectation and pressure? I think, let's like say, the first couple of games back in the in the Premier League this season, they were a little bit tentative, but I think once they've got on the roll and, and obviously found the confidence and that momentum that's carried them through the leagues the last couple of seasons, they've gone on and on. And I did actually speak to Billy Sharp was probably two days ago. They're in Dubai at the minute having a, having a, a break, um, obviously getting out the, the poor weather in England. Yeah. You know, we've had flooding here. They've had a lot of flooding and, and bad weather there. I think a little bit of snow's landing as well, so... 
Um, yeah, look, Chrissy took him to, to Dubai for a little bit of a break. Um, so, yeah, I spoke to Billy and he said it was good for the boys to refresh. And I think they've done a little bit of team bonding there, something Bridgie knows um, <laughs> all about from his from his days at Leeds. But I think that's one thing when you did see uh, the promotion last year with, with with the Blades growing up, the, you know, the party went on, I think, for about... A month, <laughs> so um, you I'm know, they, good on them. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, they are people will turn their nose up at that now in modern day modern day sport. They shouldn't be doing this. They shouldn't be doing that. But for me, you can't. But you know, you you can't put a price on that culture and, and getting the boys together. And you see that out on the pitch. And for me, that's that speaks volumes of, of where they are. So you know, good good on Chrissy taking the the boys on a break over there and, and getting a little bit of sun. And no doubt they'll come back refreshed and, and ready to go again. Chris Wilder. This is he is so central to the story. Tell us a little bit about the man and how fundamental he's been to this. Because you know, Bridgie mentioned the overlapping centre backs. We've been talking about that since round one. No one's been able to stop it. Yeah, look, Chris is a great guy. When I joined the club, he was there as a player. Um, you know, he, he um, went on lower leagues, um, Halifax Town, and Northampton. You know, he, he really did go through the the lower echelons of, of English football and. If, to be honest, one thing that stands out about him, he's just honest, hardworking. Um, you know, I was fortunate that every time I go back, I, I go in and, and watch a watch a first team train and spend a bit of time with him, which is nice. But you know, he's just he's just a simple, honest guy that, uh, like you say, he, he understands what it takes to to win football matches, and he's done that in, in every every league that he's been in with promotions at, at, at the club. So. He's just a good guy. He's just he's a good guy, and I think he's loving every minute. You know, just Sheffield United fan through and through. And to be honest, it's it's a dream for him. But um, in terms of the, the the formation and the style of play, it's something that they sort of designed. But like you said, it's you know it's took uh, some some top world class coaches and you know Bielsa, Klopp, and and Pep Guardiola to comment on it. So I think. Uh, you know, Chrissy probably goes to bed at night thinking he's, um, you know, he's a football <laughs> genius, but he'd probably just have a beer in a local pub and have a laugh with his friends because that's just the sort of guy he is. And that, that's the, you know, the humbleness of the man, but he's also, he's got the honesty. When he see him have a bad game, he doesn't come out and bullshit it and try and sugarcoat. He says, we, you know, we've got to do better in this department. We weren't good enough. We didn't match them here. And I think you, you, you like it because he's consistent with these messages. He'd never slack, never takes the whole team down as a, as, a, as a whole and I just like what he's all about. His interviews are fascinating. I used to love the guy Ian Holloway when he was there but everything seemed to be a bit of a joke whereas Wilder can turn it on and off and I, I think that's a very, very unique thing he's got as well. He's, he's learned how to handle the English media so quickly when he's been put in the spotlight and that is not a lot of things that a lot of managers have been able to handle and he's, he's done it. I think, like you said, then uh, you know the one interview that stood out to me, and I did actually <laughs> speak. To, I texted him after the interview and said, you know, really enjoyed listening to it. Um, and that was after Liverpool, where they went to Liverpool, um, and he felt that out of all the games this season, that was the one game that they didn't, as he says, lay a glove on them. Um, they didn't get tight to people. All the basic things that you want in football, blocking shots, tracking runners, they didn't do that in that game. Um, and that's what they, you know, that that's what they've built a success on. But when he came out afterwards, there he said about you know youth coaches now and academies saying that you know it's all this technical, tactical. And he said you know, it doesn't matter because if you can't run backwards and forwards and, and tackle people and block shots and pass a ball, then you can forget all the all, all the other stuff. And for me, I, you know, the way that I've been brought up in football and, and seeing that and seeing the different versions of, um, you know. Like I say, coaches always gone on about the tactical elements and, and technical. And, and for me, I've always said, but if you can't run and you can't do the basic stuff right, then, you know, that's that, that doesn't really it's matter. Yeah, it's immaterial, isn't it? Yeah, it's immaterial. And I think when he came out with that, I think the, probably that went around the world and it was a bit of, um, you know, a, a bit of a... Uh, 
a talking point for for coaches all over the world who who have probably been really caught up with the um, the technical tactical side of it and you know at well, that level you have to have everything got a similar mindset in the defensive aspect as Bielsa because Bielsa's one for the defending he said if you can't get your shape it's not about your shape and your tactics initially it's about how how hard are you going to work to get back in numbers uh, and that's a very similar mindset on that side of it you've got to do the basics right okay so uh, Sheffield United ball boy Coach, player, um, doing brilliant. They just signed till twenty twenty four. Manchester United come knocking. What do you do if you're Chrissy Wilder? Ah, you stay at Sheffield. Like you said, it's uh, you know it's his boyhood club. He's he's dragged them through three divisions, and and now he's uh, enjoying that that success. So I think you know in future on the back of what he's done here, I don't think he'd ever struggle for a, for a job. But for now, he needs to enjoy the ride and and really uh, see if he can um, make history at the club. He wants to manage a team that's going to be in Europe, so he'll be staying <laughs> at Sheffield United. <laughs> Ooh, boom, boom. Uh, Bridgie, Jurgen Klopp, Chris Wilder, manager of the year, Jurgen Klopp. The because of what they have done this season at what twenty two is it twenty two clear uh, at this moment in time. Think of the history that Liverpool have had, the the hurt that the fans have had, what it has taken to get them to this moment in time. Don't I'm not taking anything away from Wild and what Sheffield United have done, but Liverpool winning the title by the amount of points that they are at this moment in time. If they go on to win it, Dave, obviously, if they don't go on to win it, Wilder will get it and should get it. Um, but if when they do which I think is inevitable. Klopp, for me, has been magnificent. They've only dropped one, uh, mm. two points. Mm. Please. You can't even touch that. Mm. Well, the fact that we're talking about Wilder in the same breath is testament enough to that, even if he doesn't go on to get the award. I'm not going to let you off the hook, Bridge. You said Sheffield United are going to make the Champions League. Who, who are they making it at the expense of? Chelsea. So current as per, as Liverpool, per. City, Leicester, Sheffield United. You yes. buying that, Nick? Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll set Bridges' hand on that one. And oh, look, it'd be fantastic. Yeah, like you said, Klopp, they're a different class. Liverpool, phenomenal. But, you know, spending 35 million and having the season that they're having now, um, Chrissy Wilder deserves a, a big accolades for what he's done. Don't get us wrong. There should only be one team in Yorkshire playing Champions League football, and that should be Leeds United. Let's just get that straight. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll come back straight. to that in a second. Um, before we move on, as a, a, a a great chat, a bit more in depth than usual, but why not? We've got a club legend here to talk about it. Europe is an interesting um, poison chalice for clubs like Sheffield United. We've seen it with Burnley. We've seen it with other clubs that have, have had that, whether it's Europa League or Champions League. How would they cope? What would that do to the club? Champions League is part, is really still dreaming. Europa League is actually quite realistic. realistic. Is that going to be a poison chalice? Can the club cope with that if that happens? Oh, looking, you're talking about squad depth there. Once you get into them, uh, Champions League, Europa Leagues, you, you've got to have strong squads. You're doing a lot of travelling. It's more games. You know, it's uh, it's testing on everybody. And, you know, you look at the top clubs. They've got players that have experienced that. Um, but, yeah, it, look, that's that, that's something, you know, nearer the time. If if that was ever the case, then they'd really need to look at strengthening the squad and bringing in bringing in some 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 good players, some better players that, that can help um, move the club on. Because Bridgie will tell you, you know, once you start travelling midweek, and you know, in in the Premier League, you've you know chuck that in with the amount of games, cup games, Premier League, uh, you know, Champions League, Europa League, it becomes a, it's a different beast. Yeah, and the the other side of that, we really struggled with in our first year of the UEFA Cup with Leeds United. 
having not been there as a player and the coaching staff never being there as as coaches mm. um, behind mm. the scenes was the things that go with it, taking a security team with you to stop the knocks on your door for the food, to stop the fire alarms going off, to keep everything in-house, to take your own chef for the, just in case anything went on like that. Man United had that because mm. they'd been there before. We didn't. Um, we, we, we did struggle a lot with the travel even though we got the semi-finals, we, we, but the following year in the Champions League, having that little initial season in the Europa, uh, well, the Europa League now, mm-hmm. the UEFA as it was, stood us and put us in good stead for the following season, and that. So that's the only thing that you know you, you learn as you go, and it's how you adapt to that. And Wolf, I thought it would have affected Wolves, but it doesn't seem to have done that this season. They've they've handled both situations really well. So. Um, We'll see what happens with Sheffield. Watch this space. Love a bit of a fairy tale. And you know, Sheffield United aren't the only one. It's In this time where we see so much dominance, it's, it's fascinating to see that each one of the big leagues does have a, a club that's sort of uh, bucking that trend a little bit. Getafe and La Liga, they're in the Champions League spots. Hellas Verona just knocked Juventus off and have drawn with Lazio in the last couple of games in Italy. I mean, that was remarkable. That was one of the games of the season. How good was it? It was a great, great weekend in it Europe. It was the atmosphere in that game. Um, the manager, Urich... I'd only ever beaten Juve once before in his career at Genoa. Yeah. And the performance that they put in off a run of games where they've gone seven unbeaten, mm-hmm. going up against the league leaders. They dominated the first 30 minutes of this game like you wouldn't believe. And then Ronaldo, 10 and 10, you're thinking, oh, here we go, Juve. But they, they did not give in. They were relentless. And that was, it was almost like a Sheffield United performance by, by them. They just kept going. They worked their socks off. And he had a tactical battle against um, Sorry. That worked. Yeah. Ronaldo didn't defend on the left. They got everything on the right hand side. That 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 for me. Anybody gets a chance and you want to watch a, a game of, of in this area that was magnificent was that and also the Milan derby. Yeah, well that was that was magnificent, which is a great segue for where we're gonna go next, Bridgie. But um yeah, uh, Hellas Verona, fifth in Syria B last year, um, got promoted and now they're knocking on the door of the European places once again. Rightio, then give us an answer. The Milan derby, Bridgie, that was one hell of a game. That four-goal second half from Inter Milan to come back from 2-0 down was just entertainment plus, and the star of that was Romelu Lukaku. So I'm going to ask you, Romelu Lukaku's reinvention at Inter Milan is... What it should be. (laughs) And Man United getting rid of him. I can't believe that you would actually sacrifice and get rid of a player... That is so good with his back to goal. His goal scoring record is tremendous. And when you supply him and get him service, he's going to score goals. And it, I mean, he was absolutely dumb. He's a powerhouse. He holds the ball up. He can run the pace that he has. He's so strong. His only weakness is his right foot. He doesn't seem to have one. And everything's on his left. He doesn't need one. He's got everything else. And the way he has gone and he's gone there with a, a hunger in his belly. To prove a point. And less of a belly. <laughs> and less of a belly, correct, yeah. And I think that's come with accountability. You know, Solskjaer, maybe he was just not as demanding on the boys. Um, you know, Conte is. And that that's the... If you don't work for that man, you're going to be in trouble. And I just think it's been absolutely brilliant. But I believe that's where he should be and that's what he is all about. So it was just a matter of time. Do you think, Monty, because you spent a bit of time around United, around that sort of circus when Lukaku was there in Perth but not playing and... Um, you had the, the, the opportunity to go watch in close quarters. Did United have a choice with Lukaku or do you think it's now something in hindsight they wish they maybe had pursued with him to get him keeping part of their plans? Look, you know, if I was to finish that sentence off, sentence off that you mentioned there, for me, he's a happy player now. Uh, you know, when I did see him in pre-season, 
he didn't look happy. Um, you know, he's carrying a little ankle injury. He wasn't training, and obviously the media. You know, we know we all know what the media circus is like. I think once that once that gathered a little bit of momentum, you know, possibly you know he wanted a fresh start as well. And um, you know, I, I can't see him f- falling out with Solskjaer. But look, like Bridget said, there is is a number nine. He's he's powerful. Um, you know, he he's gone there. It's, he's lost a little bit of weight, and he, he's on fire. So again, you can't always say if he'd stayed at Man U, would he be the same player? Because you know, we know players uh, in the modern game the temperamental and for whatever reason his, his mind wasn't it uh, wasn't you know staying at Manchester United so I think they did the right thing by letting him go and it just shows when you get a player happy in a new environment and everything sort of uh, everything fits in that's that's a result you can get and like you said he's he's been uh, he's been immense since he since he moved yeah, absolute powerhouse um, moving on if England were to pick an 11 tomorrow a first 11 what would that look like well, you know I can't just come up with this on the spot for the people that are listening because it would be too hard to. You give us a little bit of a 30-minute window to come up with preparation something. Preparation is key A bit here. of preparation, yeah. And then I was, I'm thinking, oh my God, there's a lot of injuries. This is why Dave has put this across. So if England were to play tomorrow, in goal, I would have Henderson and not Jordan Henderson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is... Um, the form that Pickford has been in, I said that I would pick him on form. He hasn't been performing. He looks he looks underdone. He's had a go at the English media. And so that's why I would put him in there. I'd have Alexander-Arnold at right back. Harry Maguire at centre-half. I would not have Stones in there. Mm-hmm. I don't think his form is good enough, even though Maguire's has been questionable. I just like what he does for England. He can drive the ball out. He can run it out. He's strong. Alongside him, left side stopper Mings. Okay, must, not Joe Gomez. No, I've gone for balance. I'd have Mings, he's a bit more of a left-sided stopper. Um, bearing in mind, I've gone a 4-3-3. Left-back, Chilwell. Screen in the back four would be Henderson. And this is this is where I'm going to throw a spanner in the here works here. Two attacking midfielders who I absolutely love is Madison and Grealish. I think Grealish is at Aston Ooh. Villa. He should be at Man United. He should be at Tottenham Hotspur. He should be at a bigger club. Um, absolutely brilliant. Sancho on the right-hand side. Must yep. A, 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 hoping to see him in the Premier League next season. God knows what... Yeah, so do I at Chelsea. God knows what the price (laughs) is going to be. And up front, Harry Kane is out injured. So I've gone with Danny Ings. Right-o. Could have gone with Calvin Lewis, Tammy Abraham, but I just feel Ings has got something special. I think he would link up well with these three and Sterling on the left-hand side, even though his form is down. Throw in there, Ox-Chamberlain on the bench, Winks, Ali. Oh, who else have I got there? Mount. But that would be my start. Now, like. Yeah, right. Because, of course, the, the, I guess the challenge with that exercise is no Marcus Rashford, no Harry Kane, Sterling, as you say, the not at his best. Stones, the form of Pickford, yeah. So you, yeah, you've got a bit you, to think about. You, you threw one out there, Dave. It was um, yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad like that. <laughs> Monty, would you, would you take Bridget on at the selector, selector's table? Yeah, look, we spoke about this uh, before coming on the show, but uh, I agree with Pickford. I think you say you just, you're just putting him out in terms of getting smashed by the media. Yeah. Um, so it's probably good that... You leave him, leave him out for a little bit. Um, you know, obviously Alexander, different class. Um, moving forward, I'd probably the one change that I probably could would make is uh, probably Winks for Grealish. I think Grealish is is someone that could could be involved and and, and come off the bench. But yeah, I agree, Sancho. Um, but for me, I get Billy Sharp in there. Why not? Let's get, <laughs> let's get Billy Sharp in there. Proper goal scorer. We're struggling. The country's uh, struggling for the natural goal scorers, and he's uh, he's up there, one of, one of the best, and of the back of uh, scoring his his uh, 
goal at Bramall Lane. I, uh, let's, let's get him in there. Have you and Billy Sharp got the same agent? No. <laughs> hey, listen, you're trying to get him. He's, he's, he's clutching, isn't he? <laughs> doing a good thing. Good, doing a solid buy, mate. Hey, by the way, if uh, Kane is racing the clock for the Euros, obviously Danny Ings' form right now is he just sees the, he's seeing the ball million dollars and getting and scoring at will. But are you thinking about an SOS for Jamie Vardy if Harry Kane and Rashford are underdone by the Euros? I think Jamie Vardy is playing better for Leicester now that he's since he re- announced retirement with yeah. England. Um, his wife had that spat with Colleen Rooney. Mm. Um, it didn't go down too well this season. <laughs> um, playing eye spying each other. So I think Vardy, for the summer, if he knows he's going to go to the Euros, but he's not going to be the first first choice, I don't think he's going to go. He's thinking if he extend his career. Ryan Giggs did it with Wales. They did not fact that he didn't want to play they just didn't qualify and I think Vardy's in a good place at this moment I don't think that he would actually take that opportunity up I'll be honest with you Dave I think he would he would off, offset that mm, fair enough fair enough all right Nick was Manu Dembele nine muscle injuries in two and a half seasons at Barcelona suggests suggests he's a new Michael Bridges injury <laughs> prone, injury prone <laughs> falling apart but yeah look you've got a what a, what a <laughs> Bridges what a compliment yeah, like a compliment. I said a former friend back on the set. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, uh, yeah, look, looking at them statistics, uh, you know, you've got to look at everything. You know, is he, uh, is he injury prone because he's, you know, he's carrying injuries that have not been dealt with properly. You know, you've got to look at the medical team, um, you know, the, 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 the training schedule that he's under. But look, if, like you say, Darren Ander and Michael Bridges took him in that um, that bracket, maybe he's just not, not meant to uh, play uh, games uh, regularly. Shameless plug for what I put that in as well. As I, I, that sparked his injury yesterday, sparked a, an idea, and I went and put a piece together o- on the Optusport app about the way that Barcelona have reinvested after Neymar, and how Liverpool then reinvested after Coutinho, because obviously Coutinho was part of how they splurged after uh, Neymar left. And you look at who Barcelona signed: Dembele, straight away, huge money. Coutinho six months later, Paulinho, Yerimina, Delafeu, Malcolm. Kevin Prince Boateng, I've got about 11 or 12 names there since at about 450 million pound. They've done very, very little. Griezmann and De Jong, obviously they, they hope kick on. Coutinho leaves for Barcelona, Liverpool sign Van Dijk, Alisson, Naby Keita, Fabinho, and then Jordan Shakiri and Minamino. Pretty phenomenal stuff, and it shows you how you can use the transfer market in a way. And, and this was the angle I took: was that Coutinho's sale has actually funded the greatest Premier League season in history. So, um, pretty remarkable stuff there. And, and uh, yeah, Dembele so has not been worth the money. We did the five worst signings or letdowns. Yeah, yeah. And I got a lot of stick on social media, <laughs> and from the, some of the people in the Optus thing here when I was walking past them. They said, well, how come Harry Maguire's not in there? He's been a waste of space for that kind of money. And how can you... And there was a lot of Spurs fans were saying about Dembele. Every time he plays, he's been unbelievable. You don't know what you're talking about. But it was the fact that this stat here with the injuries, why he hasn't seen him and haven't played as many games. And that's why I put him in there. Even though I'm a Spurs fan, it, was, it hurts to put him in there. But I understand when you're getting that injuries, you can't, you can't do it. Don't take the social media criticism. To, to oh, you can't it. come back the Bring next week on. and justify your selections, Bridget. Bring it on. <laughs> maybe, maybe the next um, next bit of business, Barcelona. What we're doing is to recruit the recruitment uh, people yeah. in Liverpool. Yeah, they could do could a lot. Happening. They <laughs> could do a lot worse. And some of the stats in that article, I can't remember off the top of my head, but Dembe- the amount of games Dembele has missed, and I think he's only started and finished ten games since that time. So, yeah, not the greatest investment. 
Bridgie, to you. Leeds fans should get behind the club and believe that this is the season. But is it? I believe it is. Yes. Yes. And there's been a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm, I've, I've got a in a social media group from some of the Leeds United sponsors when they came over here pre-season to do the, you know, the tour of Australia when they took on Manchester United and the West Sydney Wanderers. And, you know, some of the negativity that comes on social media as soon as the results start going, oh, it's another crap season, oh, this is going to happen, it's this, that. Just have the belief and then start slagging everything off when it comes to the summer if it doesn't materialise. And, you know, I even get depressed now when I'm speaking to Richard Bayless when I come in here. It used to be all happy and all mighty at the start of the season. Richard lost his way a little bit. He's starting not to believe. You've got to get behind it and support it because um, that, that's the only way. The, the players, it affects them when they read things and they see things on social media. It's a, it's a huge club. There's a lot of pressure at that football club. And um, um, I said on the show at the weekend, goals on Sunday, that there's a possibility that Leeds could do with a psychologist in there to help them out. Mm. Um, Bielsa doesn't believe in that. I think that some of the players could actually do with crying on somebody's shoulders. They need a comp. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Booster. Um, but yeah, the fans should believe because I think this is the year. The pressure is understandable. I mean, 10 points, I think it's from 33 available coming into this game. The top six to seven in the championship is excruciating if you're a fan of any of those clubs. West Brom after this morning's result uh, um, on 62 points, six points clear of Leeds. But then it is such a cluster. Fulham, Brentford, Nottingham Forest, Preston, Bristol City just outside the six, Cardiff City not far behind. And it only takes a little bit of run of form for the teams below that to get into it. Monty, this just must be the most... We all watch the Premier League and it's all so visible, but this must be the most pressure cooker environment you could possibly play in. Oh, look, the Championship for me is the best league in the world. It's, you know, it's, it's phenomenal. You can go from the top six to the bottom six, you know, within a couple of weeks. But in terms of Leeds, I, I have to agree with Bridgie. The fans have to get behind the club, have to get behind Bielsa because at the minute there's too much negativity going around. Um, and, you know, a club like Leeds, like you say, the expectation's massive. Um, the fans can really be a help or a hindrance. Um, and like you said, the, the stuff are going around on social media, is, uh, you know, the players read that, you know, these days the players read that stuff on social media and they really need to, like I said, get behind the team because, um, you know, they have got a fantastic team. Um, you know, the, the playing style of Bielsa is, is, is good, but for me, like Bridgie said then, you know, the players look a little bit burnt out. This happened last season. You know, I remember they lost against Sheffield Ellen Road and then after that it was sort of, they capitulated. Um, so, again, the players need a little bit of help and a bit of support because mentally I think they're all struggling now and Bielsa's uh, playing style and, and training and way of coaching is demanding and I think he's taking a lot out of the players. When it works, it works. It's phenomenal. Uh, but when, you know, times are hard and, and teams are possibly starting to work out that their weaknesses now... Um, and again, it's it's uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a, a crazy end to the season because there's, there's hardly any points um, separating the, the, the top half of them teams, and it's you know, like I said, it's the big big prize at the end is the Premier League. Oh, so and, and West Brom have also they were clear of third, 
They've had a bad run of form over Christmas New Year, so that's really brought the top seven into contention for automatic promotion. So, yeah, get behind them, support them, and um, fingers crossed. Speaking of pressure, I heard a Times journalist talk about going to the Beals' press conference before the weekend, and he said, I'm not on the beat rider. I came in because obviously Leeds is now a massive story. We're not talking this because just you're here or Richard Bayless likes Leeds. It's a massive story, a massive club that hasn't been in the Premier League for so long. And he said he walked into that press conference and you could feel the suffocation of, of the pressure that was surrounding Bielsa. And they asked something about the new signing, um, John Kevin Augustine. And he said the answer from Bielsa went for 25 minutes, almost as if he had to justify why he hadn't played him, why he signed him and so on. And he said you could just feel it around there. So it's interesting that you say get behind them, but you can just the more and more you read and see and watch, you can just feel the tension. And it's actually going to be, a remarkable achievement if they actually, as humans, can get through that pressure and, and, and finally get that coveted spot in the Premier League. Well, I'll have some more info when I come back after the trip over there because I'm going to hang around the training ground for three or four days. And <laughs> they see. just need you in a clown outfit just to go in and brighten the mood. And if I do bit. come back with an oxygen tank on my back, you know it was suffocating. <laughs> That'll be fascinating to hear about that when you go over there, Bridgie. All right, gents, move from the championship to the Champions League because we cannot wait because by the time the next Gagginpod comes, we will be reviewing the first set of fixtures in the round of 16 on Optus Sport. It's absolutely brilliant stuff. By the way, guys, after this morning's Women's Super League action that was on Optus Sport, we go from now until, well, I can't even count the days, but I think it's like... 10 or 11 days straight of live football and up to sport because the round starts with a Friday night game, a Saturday morning game here in Australia. We have a Monday night game, a Tuesday morning game here in Australia with Chelsea against Manchester United. The three days in Europe and then the J-League on Friday night and Sunday afternoon on up to sport. So it's absolutely ridiculous. But the Champions League, of course, is the cream of the crop in there. Game by game, we're just going to go with the first match week, of course. Atletico Madrid versus Liverpool. The champions. What are you looking at this one, Bridgie? Absolute classic. And, you know, it's on on the week to think what Liverpool are doing in the Premier League. These teams have come up against each other. They've got one with each and two draws in the Champions League. But Atletico's form going in this one's not good. Two wins, two losses and a draw. And Liverpool, as we as you know what they're doing, is incredible. They just don't know how to lose. So I looked at something this week and it was about managers' salaries. Yeah, we talked about this madness. And... Simeone was what was it forty two million? It's forty three million euros, yeah. which is double any and in the clear, yeah, in the clear. And I really thought this season they would have had a go. They made a big yeah. play with the signings. Something's not going right. It just hasn't quite gelled. Yeah, they're, they're still sitting in third position there. Uh, sorry, fourth position. Katafi ahead of them, um, but they, you know that any twelve points or thirteen points behind Real Madrid. Now that that's not good enough. So I feel Liverpool have got a huge opportunity to go there and get a result. I think a draw is a good result for Liverpool. And yeah, let's see how that. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it'll be a two-two draw. Two-two. Because the interesting thing here is you get Atletico. They were the team you wanted to avoid, or probably the last five years. But if you're going to ever get them early in now the knockout the, phase, you'd say it's not a bad draw for Liverpool. Yeah, well, look, maybe Klopp's uh, saw the saw the salaries <laughs> he's compared to yeah. um, to Simeone, and it's uh, he's going to go there and try and prove that he's the best manager in the world and he deserves uh, the biggest salary. So, um, yeah, that's uh, like you say. You look, you look at that coming out and, and a, a bad run. It, it actually is since that really came out. They, they've had a bit of a bad run of form, um, Atletico. So it's, oh, it's a fantastic game, a great stadium, the atmosphere will be it'll be electric. So yeah, really looking forward to that one. But I, I'm going to say Liverpool will go there and, and get the result. I think that might be the case. I think that might be the case. Dortmund Paris Saint-Germain, wow. What about this one? Stars everywhere you look, but who's actually got the most complete 
balanced 11 to get through in what should be a thrill a minute contest. I'll tell you what, if this is nil-nil, right, I will, you'll have to give us a forfeit. This will not be nil-nil, right? Yeah. There you go. You can think of something, Dave. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. But, you know, <laughs> Paris Saint-Germain, they've just had a result 6-1. They've gone nine victories in a row, 22 games unbeaten. All right, it's it's a different division. But by um, Dortmund have lost the last two matches. And the last game when they conceded four, it was a 4-3 classic that against... Unbelievable. By Leverkusen. By Leverkusen. An unbelievable game. I really like Dortmund this season. I just think they're leaking far too many goals. And I think um, I think Paris Saint-Germain will fancy their chances going there to get a result because Dortmund cannot defend. Yeah, nil-nil. I think you're talking 5-5. Five, five. Like, this is going to be crazy entertainment. But this is the phase where for all the stats that Bridget just reeled off, Nick, Paris Saint-Germain have a noose, they, they crumble, they don't have the mental strength. How does Thomas Tuchel, can you see a possibility that all the stars he's got, all the riches he's got, do they have the mentality to get through on this stage? Yeah, look, I think, like I say, it's going to be stars all over the pitch in terms of world-class players. It's going to be a, a really attacking uh, attacking game. And like I said, Dortmund, they, they cop a lot of goals. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, obviously, Haaland, a big, uh, be a big spotlight on Haaland as well. Fantastic young player. He's the next up-and-coming superstar. Um, so no doubt he'll be out to, to try and get his uh, his name on the score sheet. Um, so yeah, it's, um, yeah it's, it's a tasty fixture for sure. Haaland versus Mbappe. The next Ronaldo versus Messi? Oh. Yes, yeah. <laughs> without the goal scoring machines, abundance of ability, and what eight, eight goals, four games, and he, oh. he's only started two. Yeah, um, I know his dad very well. I'm looking forward to catching up with Alfie and having a chat with him. Um, I know Alfie's dad, his dad represents him as well, so I'm looking forward to seeing him buy a round of drinks for a change, which would be nice. <laughs> he never used to at Leeds when he played, but um, hopefully his pockets are bulging after that transfer. So we wait and see and find out what the hell he did with him as a kid to get. Uh an absolute monster of a player ready to play Champions League football and score in his in his teens. Atalanta vs Valencia. The draw has thrown up an absolute doozy here because while we're going to see some massive, massive teams drop out at this phase, one of Atalanta or Valencia is going to be in the quarterfinals. Um, what do you make of the tie? It's an interesting tie and I feel the way Atalanta are playing at home. They're scoring goals at will. They're playing some beautiful football. These teams have never met in the Champions League. And uh, Valencia's last result, getting beat, um, was Getafe, I mm. think, 3-0. I uh, just I see them being very vulnerable away from home. At home, not a problem. I like their style. I like the... It's a bit like Bramall Lane. It's got that old... You know, they've got, they've the got that furnace, the value that's there. They believe it. But going to Atlanta, I can't see this. This is a home win for me all day long. Yeah, I must agree. I uh, Last time I was back on the UA for pro license in England, I went, I went to Manchester City against Atalanta in the first half. They were outstanding. That Similar style of football to Leeds, man for man everywhere on the park. But against Man City, second half, uh, they had a little bit too much class for them. But watching that first four, 45 minutes, it, it, uh, you know, they were they were a very well-drilled team, very organised and at home. For me, they all, that, that's, a, that's a win for them. They're a good team. Interesting. Uh, they Either team could be a smoky in the pack. They, the winner of this game will be the team that everyone wants to draw, but they will fancy themselves have a fairy tale run. There's always one joker in the pack all the way through. Tottenham, Leipzig, Mourinho, Nagelsmann. You know why I love this, Bridgie? Because this is Mourinho's chance to show he's not yesterday's man, but he will not want to get beat by someone in their early 30s. No, not at all. Now, if when this draw came out, I was absolutely devastated. I'm thinking <laughs> Leipzig are going to destroy Spurs. They're in all sorts of trouble. 
Uh, Mourinho's come in. He's steadying the ship. We've got some clean sheets. And, you know, Spurs have had a good little good little run of three wins, two draws. And since then, Leipzig have gone two draws, two losses. Now, the last draw was a very good result because it was the first draw away to, to Bayern, um, which is, you know, a fantastic effort from them. But I just feel Spurs with Mourinho at home, I'm a lot more confident about this result and I'm going to say home win. Yeah, look, I think, like you say, um, the master and his apprentice, no doubt the mind games <laughs> really started from Mourinho, but Bridges t- changed his tune a little bit. I think about a month ago, he was a bit negative about Mourinho. I was Mourinho. crapping myself. <laughs> he was, um, but like I said, they're the run of form lately. Leipzig losing uh, two games out of the last five. Like I said, it's probably a good time to play him. You know, it's at home for Tottenham uh, on a decent run of form. And like I said, Mourinho will be desperate, desperate to win this one. It was interesting watching them against Bayern because they decided to take a really defensive approach in the first half, which they copped a bit of criticism for. And you just wonder, in a way, if they're going to make a similar mistake against Spurs and maybe miss their moment to go through to the, to the quarterfinals. Because while they're in this sort of, you know, they're in this this rare opportunity for them scoring at will before this run of form. So curious, curious to see how this goes. And, and maybe Spurs have got lucky with the draw. You, you, you don't know. Well, they didn't at the time, but it's the way it's materialised and developed over Christmas and New Year. Very interesting yeah. time. Uh, early, it's very early. And we, we're leaving the other four games for next week's podcast. But um, just an early tip. Who are, you, who are you fancying at this early stage with the Champions League? Barcelona. I will stick by that. I've said Barcelona um, since the first round. Yeah, they're not they're not winning La Liga at the moment, and at that time Messi hadn't been involved. He was injured early on the season. I just feel there's yeah something going forward. They've got a tough tie against Napoli, but I, I really fancy Barca. What do you think, Nick? I'm going to stick with Liverpool. I think it's hard to bet against them at yeah. the minute. The momentum, the you know the, the way that they're playing, they're just look like I said. It's uh, for me, it'd be hard to it'd be hard to um, bet against Liverpool. So hopefully they can they can carry on the form. Well. Speaking of Liverpool, the Premier League is, as I said, part of a massive run of fixtures on Optus Sport over the next seven to ten days or whatnot. Starts on Saturday morning at 7am Australian Eastern Daylight Time with Wolves against Leicester City. That, that's a cracking game. But the headline, no doubt, of the weekend is the Tuesday morning game at 7am. Chelsea at home to Manchester United. Frank Lampard against Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer managing a side with the backstory of Mauricio Pochettino starting to surface again and doing an interview saying, I'd love a Premier League return. Boys, who's got more, who's got more on the line on Tuesday morning at Stamford Bridge? Wow. There. wow. <laughs> it's going to be a great, great match. There's no doubt about that. I feel Chelsea at home. Stamford Bridge at this moment in time I, I can't say why I'm not going to go into blooming stats and facts and everything like that I just really fancy Chelsea Dave I think they're going to the, the first game of the, I think it was the first game of the season it was nil. yeah Man United were very very good in that that game clinical right. yes and I just <laughs> I, I don't know how they actually managed to win that game yeah. because the performance as a whole, the, yeah, there were clinical performances as a whole. Chelsea dominated so badly. And I was looking at the two different styles of play. I'm thinking, Chelsea are going to have a good season this year, even though they've just got smashed and Man United aren't. I think the return fixture now, they've got, a, they've, they've got a point to prove at home and I feel Chelsea can go and get a few goals here. Interesting run for Chelsea coming up, Nick, with the United game, Spurs at home, Bayern at home, with Frank Lampard under so much pressure to prove he can steer through these waters. It, it could almost be a definitive month in his early managing career. 
Yeah, we look like say they talk about Solskjaer and Lampard. There, two young, two young managers with massive, massive pressure on two of the biggest clubs in in the Premier League. So I think this fixture, this fixture coming up, uh, like I say after Bridgie said, then you know four 0 win Manchester United got home. No doubt they'll they'll want revenge on that. Um, you know, again uh, some some big injury problems at, at Manchester United with Rashford out. Chelsea young team uh, on the day they can be devastating, but you know in them in them high pressure games, do they have the experience to to really uh, really push on now and until the end of the season? So yeah, we've uh, Chelsea got a tough run of run of games coming up as well, so it's going to be a real test for them. Chelsea lost once against United at Samford Bridge in seventeen. That must give you a bit of hope, Dave. Surely it, it does, but it also raises that Frank Lampard does not want to lose this game with that kind of record. And unfortunately, these are the results he's not getting over the last four to five weeks, and the form has not been terrific. The only thing saving Chelsea in that fourth spot is, except for Sheffield United, no one's been good enough to come and, and knock them off. So I think I really do hope Frank Lampard can steer the ship and get the, the team through this period because they're under a fair bit of pressure. But so is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. What do you guys make of the Pochettino chat surfacing once again? When did when did I call it? I think we were on with Luke Wilkshire or Paolo. Well, about three weeks Only ago. Three or yeah. four weeks ago. I just said I, th- I think there might have been something in Pochettino's contract that he couldn't go and take another Premier League job um, or something when, he, when he'd walked out or left because he's just waiting. There's been a few jobs available. I think he's just waiting. I think Man United have tapped him up and just said, you sit there tight. And then when the picture came out of him at Leeds United's game against Nottingham Forest, and Pochettino was there with a Manchester United representative, I'm just thinking, oh, this is, uh-huh. there's a, you know, if you build a fire, you're going to get the smoke first, Dave, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, you've got to get that. You, yes. You've got to stop poking the fire to get it burning. And I think that's it. I think that's what's going to happen. Solskjaer must be thinking, I'm on a hiding at nothing. Get ready, do as much as I can this year. And I think Pochettino's going to be Man United manager. I'm just still shocked that you know in this day and age uh, that how unprofessional that is. You know, <laughs> maybe just bumped into him um, in in the stand. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is that all the talk around it, and then you know he's seen sat with the director talking. It's yeah, it really is for me. It's unprofessional from from a club like Manchester United, especially knowing the pressure that that Ole is under. Uh, I know they've just been away in Marbella for a week, um, getting some training. Uh, freshening up so you know, I think they'll come back um, you know the, the boys are behind um, all in no doubt but like you said whether Pochettino's the man that, that, that the owners want in at the end of the season I think that's uh, you know, it's going to add a little bit of spice to this game against Chelsea on, on Tuesday Which way are you, you reading it? Chelsea home win I'm going to go for a draw be entertaining. Two teams under massive pressure though so we'll be very interested to see how that goes um, At the other end of the table Things are becoming really interesting at the moment. Not There's no sort of six-pointers this weekend, but we go from the bottom up, Norwich City, uh, Watford, West Ham United. They're the current incumbents in the bottom three. Aston Villa, Bournemouth, Brighton. Crystal Palace have been dragged into it. They're not, it's not complete doom and gloom yet, but they do have to arrest their slide in form. And this is going to be something we're going to talk about each week, you'd think, from now on, because it's really getting tight down there. Uh, fixtures involving those clubs this weekend. Uh, Norwich hosts Liverpool. Look, they did push them on the first game of the season, but a lot has changed since then. Aston Villa hosts Spurs. And uh, oh, look, the other one would be Southampton, you'd say, against Burnley, but they're both probably you know, fairly comfortable with where that at the moment. Boys, relegation time. You've both lived it. What are these clubs going through? Oh, thanks for bringing back all their <laughs> memories, Dave. Have you thought of motivational speaking? <laughs> wow. Yeah, cheers, Dave, for that. Definitely so, not. <laughs> Monty, should we just go now, eh? Yeah, let's leave. Two rejects. Well, look, you talk about Norwich there. You know, for me, you know, we've been, you've been in that situation. I haven't, well, not that far adrift. 
but you look at 18 points. Norwich players are probably thinking we're going to be down. Let's just enjoy the rest of the season. You know, that's dangerous. Liverpool will go there. Obviously, everybody expects Liverpool to win, but we've seen Norwich already. They beat Man City there on the day, you know. Uh, Pookie, the boy can finish. So, you know, maybe, like I say, maybe there's a massive upset on the cards this weekend. Who knows? No chance. Bridges brush there. It's done. No chance. You want want my three that are going down? Have we already done that? Throw it out. I reckon uh, we're going to change every week, but no. Might might as well hear. No, you're Uh, solid on it? I'm solid. I'm taking it. Norwich, West Ham, Bournemouth. I'm going to go for Brighton. I'm going to go for Brighton, Bournemouth, Norwich. I think I'm with you, Bridget. I I think we're staying on a slippery slope. Yeah. And the next few matches, Dave, Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Wolves. Yeah. See you later. I feel for them. You're never too good to go down, and they know that better than anyone. Oh, here's a good yarn. So there are fan petitions for Liverpool to sign Steven Gerrard on a free for a week so he can lift the Premier League title with Jordan Henderson and finally get his medal. I think even the club came out this week and said, you've got to be kidding. And do you want us to drop a player for the sake of getting Steven Gerrard back in? First of all, boys, I know you're going to laugh that off completely. But then I want to ask you guys, if you could pick one football fantasy to fill in your career, what would it have been? Oh... When we grew up, obviously the FA Cup was massive. You know that that obviously massive competition nowadays. It's uh, lost a little bit of the the, the, the fight that it used to have. But I always dreamt of winning the FA Cup as a as a player, and I got to the semi final. We actually got beat by Arsenal in the in the semi final at Old Trafford. And we talk about referees. Um, if we find the footage on that, um, can't remember the referee actually actually tackled us. We we're on the counter attack. He tackled one of the one of our players, when Allison, the striker. Uh, Arsenal went down the other end and Freddie Lundberg scored, so it was uh, something that I'll never, I'll never forget. But uh, you know, so close to getting to a final, beating Arsenal would have been would have been good. But yeah, it's for me that's uh, that's something that I wish I'd have had the opportunity to do. Very, very similar. And you know, I was I was blessed enough. You've just mentioned the relegation. I was blessed enough to go up as champions with Sunderland on three different occasions, twice as a kid and once when I returned under Mick McCarthy. That was special, but you get, you know, you get your trophy, you do a bus tour. They're magnificent days that you'll never forget. You get the Premier League. I had the relegation. You get the top of the Premier League with Leeds United at Christmas. You think you're going to win the league. We, we finished 22 points behind Manchester United. You get to a semi-final in your way for Cup. You get to a semi-final in the Champions League. I've never played in a final. And the only, well, a, a final in the Championship against Charlton, which went to penalties and we lost that. Mickey Gray's penalty was a disgrace <laughs> but again I just wanted to walk up the steps at Wembley or at some super stadium to go and lift a trophy and kiss kiss the trophy and I, I never got to experience that and it's one one thing that I would love to have changed if you could go back in a time machine and just you know go and do something like that it would have been would have been nice I would have just loved to have played a game so there you go you got a bit further than that so. I've seen you in gold don't bother <laughs> Yep, that's why I'm here. Um, speaking of referees though, Monty, an Italian soccer referee was banned for one year after he lost his cool and headbutted a goalkeeper he had sent off during a minor league game earlier this month. And to add to that, I also saw this morning that um, Jonathan Moss, the Premier League referee, has been cleared, but there was a report that from uh, Bournemouth's game against Sheffield United that he was actually sledging some of the Bournemouth players and told Ryan Gosling, basically, you blokes are still in the relegation zone, you're going down, good luck to you. And uh, they weren't too best pleased about that. What's the strangest, funniest, weirdest referee running you've had in your time? 
Oh, look, back in the day, the referees weren't mic'd up, so some of the conversations were, were brilliant. There were some referees that had a bit of banter. There were some that were literally straight down the line and would just ignore you, which frustrated me even more. But the ones that I actually got on with were, were the ones that would talk and say, hey, Monty, look, relax, you know. And it's like, they talk to you and you're like, oh, all right, no, no problem. <laughs> yeah, free kick, no worries. But the ones that just completely ignore you, Again, uh, you know some of the some of the some of the banter from the referees back in the day was good, you know, uh, but that that doesn't surprise me. I just don't know how that's not. Oh, obviously has been picked up by the mic, but it's uh, I say it's, I say it's good banter if he was hammering him. But Monty had a that. great relationship with referees because. <laughs> yeah. It, he used to think they were giving cards out like Christmas cards, but the amount of yellows and red cards this man got, he was on a personal level with the referees on a day-to-day basis. Did you know the stat? I never received a red card until I played in the A-League here. So over 400 games before receiving my first red card. Never. So never. Not even a youth team? No. Uh, probably once, yeah. Yeah, you kick <laughs> crap I'm out of us. talking about uh, professional football. Yeah. Never received a red card until I came here and received three. It so. was a horrible place to go as a youth team player at Sunderland. Went to play Sheffield United. They had a guy, Chris Morgan, centre-half, who was an absolute animal, who would kick shit out of you. And then you had Nick Montgomery sitting in the midfield. If you got the ball and you got away from Morgan, that would kick shit out your shins. So it was a horrible game to go and play in. But they both went on to have fantastic careers because they had that mentality and this, you know, the, the hard, the, the basic side of the game they got right and then they developed into... You know, professional football is brilliant. Oh, Chrissy Morgan, honestly, what a, what a top captain! You know, um, he captained us to promotion to the Premier League. But I'll never forget. Lunatic! I'll never forget the nicest guy ever off the field. I mean, they had the hardest handshake ever. When Warnock signed him, he came in and it was like this ridiculously hard handshake, and everybody was coming out after saying, "My God, did you just crush your hand?" But that was Morgs and. I'll never forget, it doesn't matter who we played against, Alan Shearer, Thierry Henry, he used to shout, when the ball was coming in the air, all you'd hear is, Morgs! And honestly, it uh, doesn't matter, I'm talking world-class players, they would duck, because they think he's coming in the back of them, but he was that smart, he'd actually he'd drop, drop off, yeah. then he'd receive the ball, and you'd have people like Shearer and, and Henry with the hands on the head thinking, where is he, he's not coming. But what he would do, he would go <laughs> for that first header, oh, yeah. when he Crush shouted Morgs, and he Crush would go him. through you. And then and the then second me, one. You go came. through the, the strike and then me in front of them and I'd get up and probably be concussed nowadays, you'd be stretched off. But yeah, the guy was a, an absolute legend, but absolute beast, you know. He's, 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 for me, he's the sort of centre-backs that I'm missing in the game these days. Yeah, Bridget, you were, you were squeaky clean with, with the referees, right? Always. And always. They, they always protected him. He was on the floor crying. <laughs> oh, he's just kicked me. I was, I was trying to get people sent off. Anyone remind you about your position on the table? Um, in what respect? In, referees? Uh, well, I got put in my place by Mark Clattenburg. Um, this I couldn't believe what I witnessed here. Actually, it was um, it was fantastic. And this is Monty you did have it, good banter, Mark. Yeah, if you've got good banter and you can talk to referee, you don't mind it when you get burnt, you know. And this is a, just a gold comment from Mark Clattenburg. So I was with Jacob Burns. Now, obviously, at Perth Glory, um, Socceroo. He had been at Leeds with me. We both moved on. I went to Sunderland to play again. And I met McCarthy. He was at Barnsley, and we're playing at the Stadium of Light. Mark Clattenburg is the referee for this game. There was no headsets, there was no VR, you know. And Mark Clattenburg's from Newcastle. He lived in the Newcastle area, and I'm thinking, oh, this is strange. When he's allowed to referee a Sunderland game, like, uh, we might not get much today. But you can't, you can't, <laughs> you can't scrutinise that, you know. He's not allowed to referee the, the games at, at the minute anyway. And 
Jacob Burns and me got together. Now, Burns, he was a player that would get around you like a terrier or a pit bull. He'd be in here. He'd be pulling you from, you know, trying I to enjoyed the, I enjoyed the battles Lovely Burns battles, even eh? here. I yeah. bet. And you can wind them up. So I used to say, you know, I, I'd, I'd just put something out there, give him a little bit of little bit of um, grief, give him a bit of banter. And he reacted and he came after us and he pulled my shirt and he ripped it. And I turned around to Mark Clattenberg and he was he was five foot away from the incident. And I turned and I went, Clats, I said, any chance you can get, bearing in mind my shirt is hanging out, you can see me nipple. I said, are you going to do anything about that? I said, that's a disgrace. And Clattenberg to me turned around and said, you are getting f*** all off me today, you Macken bastard. <laughs> and I was, I was like, you can't say that. And I'm looking around for it and Burnsy's ran off laughing. And I'm thinking, my word, now Macken is a big derogatory term from a Newcastle fan said to a Sunderland fan. And I couldn't believe what was witnessing. He put me off my game for 10 minutes because I'm trying to find somebody that actually heard what he'd said. <laughs> he did um, run off laughing, Bridget, because he, he knew that he'd got you. He, yeah. And then I'm thinking about it. As the game developed, and I'm thinking about it. I'm going, he's absolutely burnt me and destroyed me there. It was it, So again, it was top banter. You didn't mind that. Um, and I'm just pleased that Sunderland fans didn't hear that, obviously, because Clats would have got destroyed. Good stuff. Great banter to end the show. And great to see after 400 games, Nick, uh, the quality A-League referees finally found found where you were sitting in the <laughs> middle of the park. Oh, look, I don't think they, uh, they were as... Um Light-hearted as they were in England. Yeah. Here, here, bad tackle was uh, I see yellow card. <laughs> Not <laughs> survived to tell the tale. You wouldn't have had a career here. Oh, yeah. Listen, Bridget, I want to, I want a championship here and uh, play a lot of games. So, bang, well, two, two red cards in in six hundred games, seven hundred games is not bad. I'll take. We that. got it out of him. Exactly. <laughs> We've had a great time this morning, boys. Had it, really enjoyed it. Great to hear the thoughts of a Sheffield United legend about their miracle continuing over there. Safe travels back to your respective destinations this morning. It's been good fun. Thank you very much, Dave. Really enjoyed it talking football again. Um, I've just got to drive back to Newcastle two hours, and unfortunately, spend another hour in the car with Monty while I drop him off. That's romantic. the only downside. <laughs> Lovely. No, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it. Good stuff. And as I said before to all our listeners, so much football. Lap it up. Enjoy it. And the next second pod will be after the first set of Champions League games, and we cannot wait for that. So until the next one, enjoy your football. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.